Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And while there are many divergent paths we might take on that journey, Jesus urges us in today's gospel to pave them all with love. Little children, he says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this time, you may have noticed here and there that I sometimes preach about exercise, diet, and donuts, if you were here on Easter Day. And it occurred to me that I haven't always made clear the connection between those things and our life of faith. Today's readings may allow me an opportunity to do just that. A number of years ago, before Corey, my personal trainer in Long Beach, and Randall, my trainer now in San Mateo, before they put me through my paces, I attempted an at-home DVD exercise program called the Insanity Workout. <laughs> Basically, it involved putting a disc into my DVD player, turning on the TV, and exercising along with the impossibly toned men and women on the screen. It was really, really hard. I could only do it two or three days in a row before giving up on it for two or three weeks at a time. Usually I had to pause the DVD so often to catch my breath that I wound up taking over an hour to do a 25-minute workout. It was bad. When I wasn't pacing around my apartment panting like a dog, I was holding onto a door jam for dear life. Sometimes I even lay down on the floor and took a short nap in the middle of a routine. <laughs> that was usually done after an exercise with the somewhat insensitive name of suicide jumps, which consisted of doing this as many times as possible in one minute. And just those three was hard. <laughs> The Insanity Workout's goal was to get you into great shape fast, so that if you were unhappy with your health, with your body, or your fitness routine, you could jolt yourself out of complacency with exercises like the power drill, mountain climbers, and mummy kicks. For encouragement, the program had before and after photos from normal people of all ages who have gone through it. The changes in these folks was astonishing. So I remember those workouts when I sat down to ponder today's reading from Revelation. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will be with them and will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And it occurred to me, this must be Revelation's version of the after picture. You see, after pictures are supposed to inspire you, to work towards that goal of a better life and a better you. But as I read these words from Revelation about the new Jerusalem, I had the same feelings I do when I see those photos of newly fit men and women. Desire and discouragement. Because it seems like humankind has to go through its own insanity workout to realize that vision of a new Jerusalem. 
The world we live in looks nothing like this image from Revelation. Tears are not wiped away. They gush from the eyes of many from around the world, from Jews in San Diego to Palestinians in Gaza, from Israelis in Ashkelon to Muslims in New Zealand, from Christians in Sri Lanka to people in Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, and everywhere in between. Crying and pain afflict the lives of so many for hundreds of reasons. How will the kingdom of heaven finally descend upon earth and dwell with us? When will these first things pass away? A beatific vision of eternity awaits us and we yearn for its arrival, but until that time, we are living in the before picture. The sadness of this world can leave us breathless. It can shake us to the core until we are hanging on to our faith for dear life. And the world's misery can overwhelm us to the point that we need a timeout, a mental nap from all the bad news. How are we supposed to exercise our faith to work towards achieving that vision from the book of Revelation? Well, I don't think God demands some muscular sort of insanity faith to merit the kingdom of heaven. Because the new Jerusalem is not a place we can attain. Rather, it comes down to us as a gift of God's grace. And it won't just arrive suddenly at the end of history. I can't believe that. I believe grace is misting down upon us all the time. So what we can do, what we're called to do, is to prepare our hearts and our world to receive that grace every day. To that end, I have put together over the years a sort of spiritual workout routine that I would like to share with you today. Uh, but I must warn you, this may put a strain on your ability to handle a workout metaphor that I'm about to hammer into the ground. First, exercise hope. As much as possible, try not to give up on humanity and the world around you. I find it so easy to gorge myself on a diet of despair, reading the news until my stomach hurts. Instead, let us take heart in the possibilities that exist all around us, there is much good in the world, too. And I find hope in some of you who live the example of kindness and servanthood set by Jesus, or who are striving to do so. Second, while you can't fix everything in the world, help fix one thing in the world. Work those muscles of compassion and reach out in some way. Lighten someone else's weight. You can join us for the Rise Against Hunger project we're doing with St. Mary's next Sunday. You can offer to prepare a casserole for our homeless guests at our Tuesday food pantry. You can visit someone you know who's in pain, even if you don't feel like it. Donate time, not just money, to a cause or a campaign that tugs at your heart. I promise you, working your compassion muscles will feel good. Third, try to see yourself as God sees you. Your before picture is already beautiful in God's eyes, inside and out. Don't expend all your energy putting yourself down and minimizing your worth. That will sap your vitality. You'll have nothing left for completing these other exercises. Be gentle with yourself and know that God holds you. Fourth, pray and meditate regularly. 
I should have listed this one first because it's really, it's really the stretching exercise of any spiritual workout. The more you spend, in, the more time you spend in silence with God, the deeper the voice of the divine will penetrate. T.M. Lerman, a professor of anthropology at Stanford, studied what she calls prayer warriors at various evangelical churches, and she found that they had more vivid inner images than non-prayers did. They experienced God in the brain as an actual social relationship, and they identified God's voice, trusting and regarding it as real and interactive. Like these prayer warriors, let us take time to stop, listen, and respond to God. Finally, take a leap of faith. For some of you, this may prove harder than doing a suicide jump. A leap of faith means different things to different people, but basically it involves trust and surrender. Trusting in the mystery that is God and surrendering your need for control. I find this exercise toughest of all. My ego won't give over the steering wheel to God. And I struggle to believe sometimes in things I cannot prove. If that's true for you too, I offer this quote from the Eastern teacher, Papaji. You must believe in the unbelievable. And you must face the unknown. Do not turn back to the known. Stop complicating yourself. Be quiet. So that is my spiritual insanity workout. DVDs will be on sale in the narthex after church. <laughs> and if you find this program too difficult, then I recommend a spiritual Fitbit. Carry it, on, carry it on your wrist as you go through the day as a sign of your intention to share God's love and regard with others. Every little kindness, every little prayer, every laugh you share will register on it, and you will be amazed at how many steps you've already taken towards welcoming the kingdom of heaven in your day-to-day -day life. When we work out, endorphins are secreted from our body, and we feel a sense of euphoria. The word endorphins is more or less a combination of two Greek words, meaning the well-being that proceeds from within. In spiritual terms, it is that love Jesus leaves with us in today's gospel reading. Let us activate that love in our hearts whenever we can. Near the end of his life, St. John the Evangelist had to be carried into the assembly of believers, so feeble in his old age that he was reduced to simply repeating little children Love one another. Little children, love one another. Over and over. That's all he would say. And that's what's important. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Let us love one another as Christ loved us. Exercising our faith together and tilting the axis of this world that much closer to the kingdom of heaven as we are drawn towards God. I love. Amen.